fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. The timing sucks, cause the maps are ass. But did you see his no-look pass? Whoa! 77 minutes in heaven. Welcome to 77 Minutes. A Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that has thoughts on Jason Kidd, Nico Harrison, the hires. That's not remotely true. I think there's been a lot of thoughts out there. I didn't. I didn't have a. I didn't have a good. Uh, a good opening line for this one. So I'm. It's a bit of a cop out, but that's all right. We've got Dave before, so it's going to be a fun pod. I, we. I don't. I don't think either of us know exactly even what we're going to say right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a fun pod though. I don't right. know. I don't know if it's going to be fun, but uh, we we've got things to say. Um, I certainly mm-hmm. have things that I can't even say. Um, reporting is hard. But yeah, let's talk about let's talk about everything that's happened. We haven't recorded since since the hires officially. I guess probably our last podcast was I was on with Saad and we talked a little bit before the hires went down. Um, honestly, some of that age stuff aged poorly. I was like, you know, by by July fifteenth, I think for sure they'll have. Uh, pieces in place and i was like i was expecting it to happen pretty quickly and I everybody's was in a hurry all of a sudden tim everybody's in a hurry it did it did materialize real quick and i think that's good i think it's good that they got the hires done they needed to like you can't have a a lack of power structure headed into this time of the offseason you can't so it, it you know there's a good thing to start out with it's good they got the hires done let me ask you real quick before we get into the particulars of the hires let's talk okay. about the order of the hires okay because the coach was chosen before the gm and i think that that is very telling in this in this situation. Look, we know Mark, uh, we know Mark Cuban. The buck stops with him, right? He's making the decisions. At the end of the day, that is the type of owner, governor, whatever we're calling him right now. That is who he is, and that's fine. That's his prerogative. So, it, it, I guess for this organization, maybe it's not out out of character for for things to happen out of order because of this unique dynamic. But how do you feel? Tim, as far as uh, from a working standpoint, do you got any concerns there about having a coach already in place? I mean, and of course, it's a new coach, but he was chosen before the GM. Cuban would say that they're going after them kind of simultaneously. I think the big question is how much getting Nico hinged on also hiring Kid as the head coach. So Kid and Harrison have a relationship and have had a relationship for a long time. Harrison and Cuban have had a relationship for a long time. Obviously, Kid and Cuban have had a relationship for a long time. I, I don't know. I, 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 this isn't something that I'm just holding back from reporting because I can't say it or something. I, I don't know how much Harrison... You know, I know that it's been reported that other teams had been interested previously in hiring him, that it hadn't happened. I don't know the specifics, whether he turned them down, whether he was in final stages and just they went in other directions... I, I don't know if the problem of getting him to the NBA or, or what hinged on getting him to the N- NBA was a general manager role where he's really running the front office. I don't know to what level Jason Kidd being hired as head coach was you know, something that had to happen for Nico to agree to come here. But I think those are all good questions to be asking when you consider the, the relationships, all these relationships that are you know long running and just the idea that Nico had been pursued before. And whatever the exact details are, he had not come to the NBA and he did choose to come to the NBA now. I think those are all interesting interplaying dynamics. And it does seem fairly likely that, you know, it it wasn't a situation where the Mavericks were like, we want Jason Kidd. And it's, you know, well, you know, Nico, this is who we're going to hire. You're cool with that, right? I I do think that Nico 
given his relationship with uh with Jason Kidd, this it was always pretty likely that those two together were going to be the two hires that the team made. And and yeah, I think that's that's the gist. And and so I don't I, I wish I had better answers to those questions. Certainly I will report, you know, them if if I ever get concrete answers to those questions. But I think those are the questions that you need to be asking about the process. So who do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about let's start with Nico Harrison since we just kind of laid out a little bit of the backstory there yeah let's let's do nico let's do nico um nico harrison he seems like a good person who was very well uh respected throughout the league by a lot of people and that does go a long way for me he obviously has translatable skills to this new role as general manager the mavericks have never had success as we've talked about at length they have not had success signing star free agents and i don't think that they're going to have more success with luka Doncic as the Chandler Parsons types who is going and whining and dining for agents to bring them to Dallas. That doesn't seem like it's Luca because he doesn't have Team USA to really build these bonds with people. We we've seen that Team USA is a bond building relationship place where players come together and decide to play together. So I, I do think that there's value in having a guy who has really good relationships with around the league. That's a far cry from saying, oh, Damian Lillard is coming to Dallas just because one time Damian Lillard came over and dapped up nico on the sideline after hitting a game winner very cry, far cry from saying that but having a relationship guy within your front office that's a good thing and it's the most translatable immediate skill i think that harrison has and that he will bring to this role there's other skills he has too he has a relationship with luca that's a good thing especially after firing a general manager johnny nelson who also had a good relationship with luca something that it, it did seem luca was you know upset about not in a egregious way that you know is going to make him reconsider anything on the mavericks or anything like that he's still going to sign the supermax etc but it's good to bring people in that have good relationships with your superstar player i think that's another skill if you will or, or just a thing that nico brings to this front office that's good i think there are some questions about an outsider hire and just the amount of time that it will take for someone like harrison to adjust to as it seems right now, essentially being the the key figure running the front office, albeit with the addendum that Cuban is always in charge and Cuban is taking advice and, and he is making the final decisions, as we know. It's a very different hire than Leon Rose to New York or Rob Palinka to LA. If you're the head of an agency, you are a direct foil for front offices. You are directly communicating them. You're seeing exactly what front offices do just from the other side. And these are guys who had been in those roles for decades. It's very different to come from Nike and make that outsider hire. Again, I don't think it's a bad thing to bring a guy like this into the front office. But I am suggesting that it, it will be a tougher transition for him, that it will be a steeper slope, that it will take more time for him to adjust. Obviously, you've got someone like Michael Finley, who had his own two-year... I think they called it like an internship period before he actually got a, a title assigned to him in the Mavs front office. This is somebody who can, you know, has been through this process and I would imagine will be crucial to helping Nico figure things out and learn the ropes. But I do think that there are questions about that, 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 it, that it's not going to be as, as clean or as, as immediately one-to-one transferable as, as those inst- you know, instances of outsider hires I talked about with uh, Rose and Palinka. And, and I do think there's questions about meaningfully that Nico Harrison has been asked to do high level talent evaluation of, you know, players outside the top 50 or the top 100. 
that's not people that Nike is spending a lot of time pursuing or, you know, just focusing on for shoe deals and stuff like that. That's fine. That was his role. His role was to focus on stars and things like that. And he probably does have a pretty good idea of being able to look at a star and say, this is a star player. It's obviously a role that, you know, if you're running a front office, you have to do, you have to figure out who the 14th, 14th man on the roster is. That is a tougher thing to do. What Nico may be able to do is have a staff under him and know who to listen to and say, I believe or, or this guy's vouching for this player and this guy's argument is the right argu- argument to make. And I'm supportive of it for that reason. But it's just interesting that they're bringing in and, and we'll, fo- we'll stay on Nico, but it's interesting to bring in a kid, you know, kid as the head coach, kid as we've seen him make power grabs um, in, in Brooklyn. We've seen him when there is power that is not clearly assigned. I think it's often that Jason is the one trying to fill that role. And the Mavericks just went through this, as I reported, as me and Sam Amick reported. They just had a system, a structure, where there was somebody working outside the lines with a lot of influence and a lot of power. And it was not there was not clear through lines to that. So that is a small worry I have, is that if you're bringing in someone who is going to take some time to get up fully to speed, you're bringing in someone who may need to rely on those around him for some aspects of this job, or at least in the opening months of his tenure, they need to make sure that there isn't another situation unfolding where there is a lot of people trying to exert their own influence over the locker room and 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 trying to push Nico, who is now the head of this this front office, and say, oh, well, I am the person who can make these decisions since, you know, you're the I you should be listening to me. So that's my that's my concern after seeing it unfold the past couple of years and reporting on it in this Mavericks front office. I think that's the one, you know, that's another question that we we should have for this front office and how it's going to operate with Nico Harrison as as the head. Do you feel like Michael Finley is going to handle a lot of the basketball side, at least at first? I mean, it it just seems like his role is going to be even more important for, for the Mavs because they don't have that basketball guy in the front office. I think it's possible there's still more additions to the front office or a, another. I, I think that's a possibility. I don't know that for sure. I, it wouldn't be crazy to me if they actually announce another addition. I think if not, then yeah, it needs to be Finley. And the way it's been yeah. described by Mark Cuban is that Harrison and Finley will be working in a lot of ways side by side. It's a little weird to me that Finley doesn't have a new title as as of time of recording this, that he is by all accounts, still just the vice president of basketball operations. That doesn't seem to dictate that he would be working side by side with Harrison. But I do agree that he is the person, he is the obvious person in the front office to be taking up a lot of these direct front office decisions, basketball decisions, basketball analysis. He is the obvious candidate for that. He is someone the team has talked about for a long time as being the next person who they're grooming and developing to step into that role. And quite frankly, it would be shitty if, you know, that isn't the role that they're going to use for him, because this is someone, again, that they've been very willing to give very glowing quotes about and profiles about Michael Finley and that this is going to be who he is eventually. And, you know, eventually is now. Now that Donnie Nelson is finally out, now is the time that Finley would step into that role. And so I would say, yes, that seems like it could and should be what's happening I would say the evidence right now, just like, again, just with the fact that Finley, as far as we know, as of right now, and I haven't heard otherwise, doesn't have a promotion, doesn't have a new role. I was surprised that 
Harrison wasn't, you know, president of basketball operations and that Finley wasn't the general manager. I was surprised that wasn't the way that they went about this. And as far as I have heard, Harrison is only the general manager. Again, titles only mean so much, especially in a Cuban-led front office where he is ultimately making the decisions and he is listening to the people he wants to listen to. But I did find that interesting. The the Twitter account that was going around that claimed to be Nico Harrison and it had president of basketball operations and general manager of the Dallas Mavericks in the bio. That was not Harrison. I talked to him. That was not him. He was trying to get that account removed. That account ended up, you know, admitting it was a parody. So yeah, as far as I've heard, and again, Mark Cuban has been coy about the details to an extent. There could be different titles when the media guide comes out next year. There could be different titles announced in an hour if a press release comes out that these things are official. As of right now, it is a little bit weird to me that the front office hasn't shaped itself more where it is clear that what Mark has said about Finley and, and Harrison sharing this role and their strengths meshing well with each other, with which I do think is a fair thing to, you know, a fair assessment. It's a little weird to me that they haven't been more clear about, you know, the t- lines of, you know, the titles and the the through lines of who actually holds power and who's in charge of what. It's a little weird to me that they haven't been more clear about that. You know, I, I'm a guy who is of the opinion that outside voices are always good. You know, it's always good to have new eyeballs on problems and I love getting new blood into basketball that being said I don't know if that's the job that you necessarily want that new blood in uh, for their first job but I mean as long as there's a system in place it's pretty obvious this guy is competent smart well liked respected I mean every single person I've asked about him has nothing but glowing remarks so I mean this guy could wind up being amazing and again if if he is as good as people say he is he's going to be a fast learner and we will be laughing that that we doubted uh, he was going to be ready for the job. So, I mean, I, I think that this is uh, you wait and see. And we all are just happy that, hey, look, we got a new name in basketball. This is good. This is what we want. Right. We want new right. coaches. We want new people in the front office. We want new voices, new ideas. This is how the game grows and evolves. So I think ultimately, um, you know, hopefully it winds up being good for the Mavericks, but I think that's ultimately good just for the the ecosystem and, and you know, sort of the job space, as it were, um, to take a big picture view of that. Yeah, it's a fascinating, interesting hire for all those reasons you said. I think it makes a lot of sense for this type of person with his skill set to be in an NBA front office. I think that it's a very important for the Mavericks to make sure the structure around him is also set up for him to succeed. I think that is the most fair thing for him coming into this role, given his background and I, I don't have evidence saying that that's not the case, but it's just weird to me there isn't more evidence that is the case when it seems like it should be an emphasis. So that's that's basically where I'm at, and I think that's a very complimentary thing to say about Harrison. By no means am I, you know, being negative broadly about his skill set, who he is, um, or even the hire itself. So so yeah, I think we, I think we agree, and I just wanted to be very clear. Yeah, should we talk about Jason Kidd? We can talk about Jason Kidd. Yeah. um, I think it's that time. Look, the track record as a coach in Brooklyn and Milwaukee is not great. Oh, and by the way, they just announced the hire. So, oh, there we go. Impeccable timing. Sufficient. Yes. In fact, I, I will I will look at this press release and I will let you know exactly what title they are assigning to him. Breaking. Breaking. This is breaking news. Breaking news from The Athletic. The press release says that Nico Harrison is the team's general manager. 
it has no mention of Michael Finley. And yeah, so that's exactly what I was saying, you know, like and again, it's it's this is not evidence that they're doing things wrongly or that they're setting him up to fail by any means. It's not evidence in that case. It's just not evidence that they are setting him up to succeed in the way that I think is very important to do. So. Anyone that has a hard opinion about whether he's going to be good at the job is just making it up because we have no idea. And, and I think yeah, we that, don't know, you know. If I was looking at this from a fan perspective, I'm probably hopeful because let, let's be honest, it's not like this this team has been super well put together year after year after year. I mean, there's a reason why they they keep going to the well <laughs> to the scrap heap actually for small guards, you know. Um, so maybe a new a new mind in the office is what they need. You know, let's see. Uh, it certainly is a is a unique angle to take yeah i'm i'm as a as a journalist covering this i'm fascinated to see how it goes in a in a very interesting interested way so i would love for it to be you know as successful as you're saying and and i think there's a very good chance it could be but i i would i would say that the evidence there's a lot of evidence to say that he is someone who will immediately transition and and roll right into this role in a great way and there's some evidence that you know about how it could go wrong and it's up to the Mavericks to make sure that they're setting him up for success. And now I'm just repeating myself. So yeah, let's 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 swing back to Jason Kidd. It's time. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Jason Kidd has been the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, that did not go well. Although I, I still will give him credit for the spilling the drink on the floor. I, I mean, that's a genius move. Um, it, listen, I mean, you know, people love it when guys, you know, flop and and draw foul calls. I mean, this is just just as good. So. Um, and, and then Milwaukee was was bad. I mean, just bad, plain and simple. And the stories that have come out of there have not been great. And, and they weren't great coming out of Brooklyn. So just as a coach, um, it's not been good. He obviously had a very decorated career. He won a title with the Mavs. But the coaching record is not good. I'm sorry, man. Like, just as a coach, I think this is a bad choice. So just to stay on the coaching real quick, the the sure. one optimistic thing I can say about it is that what I heard from people who were around him with the Lakers is that he viewed him going to that lead assistant role with the Lakers as him realizing that he had skipped steps in his process of becoming a head coach. He went straight from his playing career to two different teams running, you know, being the head coach of two different teams. I think that's the correct thing to for him to feel. And I think that if he did go to the Lakers, was part of a championship winning staff and was somebody who was very open to the idea that he had more to learn, that's how he should feel because his track record is not good in, in as being an actual head coach. So people are not static. Coaches are not Absolutely. static. Coaches develop over time. If that's how he felt and that's how he approached the Lakers job and players on the team and those around him, nobody has negative things to say about him during his time with the Lakers. If he used that as, a, as an opportunity to grow as a head coach and develop skills that he didn't have when he first immediately entered uh, his, his, his coaching career, I think that's a good thing. And that is the sign that he is someone who has maybe much better or, you know, even even better. Like all we're asking is that the the flaws that followed him in Brooklyn and Milwaukee, the on-court flaws specifically and and the struggles he had bringing a team together and getting them to perform at a high level. All all we're asking is that, you know, that's something that he's made strides in over over the years. And Frank Vogel 
is a great coach. Frank Vogel is a fantastic coach. And if you were going to learn uh, to how to be a head coach in the NBA, I think Frank Vogel is a really great guy to be an assistant for. And I'm sure that the bubble experience was great. All that stuff. All right. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that he's a better basketball coach. Um, there's also, I mean, there are the stories that have come out of both Brooklyn and Milwaukee about some of the power struggles internally with Jason Kidd. And, you know, we just talked about, I'm not even going to call it a tenuous power situation in the front office because there isn't. It's very clear who is has the power, right? Mark Cuban has the power in the front office, and he exerts that power, and great. So you know the pecking order. But I wonder if, you know, you run into a situation potentially where you have a new executive having to jostle a little bit with Jason Kidd for the ear of, of the owner. I mean, Jason Kidd already has a – close relationship with Mark Cuban. And I wonder, you know, more for Nico Harrison, you know, how does this affect him trying to do his job? Now, again, you mentioned they have a working relationship already. So again, maybe this is nothing. I'm just, you know, we're sounding this out as we go. I mean, I'm thinking about how Jason Kidd's track record has been in the NBA. And by the way, with that being said, we haven't heard anything negative out of the last two years with the Lakers. Nothing, nothing at all. So maybe he's turned a new leaf professionally. So that was my takeaway when I wrote about the two hires on Friday. My the, the takeaway was that this, to me, represents a further consolidation of power at, with Mark Cuban being the one who makes decisions and being the absolute decision maker. I do agree and, and brought up the concerns or, or at least the questions that deserve to be asked about Kidd and, and his relationship with power and how he would try to uh, grasp it and take it and, in previous instances. But I think also it's a good example that he has known Mark for so long and he's known Nico for so long and that Nico is a first time general manager, first time, you know, actually in a front office because of those relationships, because of the experience, because this isn't an outside hire, um, you know, somebody from another team who had a specific way of doing things and specific expectations for what level of control they would have. I, I do think that this essentially consolidates power with Mark Cuban being the decision maker. And and like I said, that's that's why I wrote it on Friday. And I, I think that's that's how that, you know, the kid part tracks is that he's known Mark for so long is that he is he's going to be very amenable to Cuban's influence over the team. Maybe even Cuban's influence to some level over over the way he coaches and things like that. And so... You know, I, I think it's pretty clear. I think in a lot of ways, it, it shows that the team is going to double down to try even harder to sign free agents, to, to continue hoarding cap space, and to continue thinking that when this player or that player comes up and, you know, they're going to get meetings through Harrison and the relationships he has throughout the league. And they're also going to be better positioned in those meetings to actually convince people to come to Dallas and to play with Luca. And of course, Luca is a big part of this. Like, you know, a, a big part of their failing the past decade was they didn't have a young player like Luca, a young generational star. They had Dirk in his mid 30s. And that was just not nearly as appealing as coming and playing with a generational talent like Luca. And so I, I do think that, you know, I, I don't know, I, or I do, you know, I don't think that this free agency focused approach is the right one, but it's the one they've chosen. And I do think they have people within this front office. Michael Finley's another person. If he's, you know, if you've got Nico Harrison and Michael Finley in a meeting with a free agent, you have more sway than if it's Donnie Nelson and Rick Carlisle. I think that is objectively true. And they've also gone so far down this path of pursuing free agents that they don't have draft picks 
and they don't have assets to make a big trade for when, you know, if Bradley Buell wants out or if Damian Lillard wants out or if Carl Anthony Towns wants out, they don't really have the ability to trade for these people. And so, you know, if you were to choose a different approach at this point, you would be working backwards to some degree to build up either draft picks or young players who are appealing that you can make a big swing for a star who's disgruntled. And so in some ways, like it's, you know, if they've chosen this path and they're so far down it that they can't really reset and go with a different strategy, then it does make sense to just go get people in the front office who are better at implementing the strategy. So in that sense, I I do think it it makes a lot of sense. Now, should they have chosen the strategy relentlessly for the better part of a decade and a half? No, I don't think they should. I think it was the wrong approach. And I think it's been the wrong approach for a long time. But if this is your approach, at least get the people in charge who are able to accomplish it at a higher level than the people you had in charge previously. Yeah, definitely want to. And Jason Kidd is the same way. Jason Kidd is is a more appealing head coach to star players as, as we've seen. Than Rick Carlisle as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, he's certainly going to be a little bit more amenable to let them freelance when they want to, you know, I mean, I know that that's a big point of contention for, for people with, uh, with Rick Carlisle. Um, okay. So we're going to talk, I guess let's talk about the off the court stuff because that's the stuff that to me has been the most tone deaf in particular for the Mavericks an organization that has dealt with, their own internal domestic violence situation uh, with the reporter that used to work for the team. They have, um, you know, their other situation on the business side with, with the sexual harassment. Um, yeah. Just a culture of rampant sexual misconduct that was not checked just to put yeah. like very firm words on yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, a decades long. Cause culture. I was not clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is like, this is not, everyone knows all this stuff. Right. And to hire a guy with the track record that Jason Kidd has is something farther than tone deaf. It's something it, like it, it is it is almost brash. And, and I mean, you know, I, I dare say arrogant and almost and you're rubbing people's nose in it. Where I fall on it is that people definitely can grow and change and people definitely can get second chances. And I do not know Jason Kidd well enough to say one way or the other, whether those things have happened. I do have very legitimate questions, whether the Mavericks and the people who made the decision to hire Jason Kidd are the right people to make that assessment. Given the history of the Mavericks, given Mark Cuban's history running teams, I think it is very fair to ask Is this something they considered? If they did consider it, are they the right people to be considering it? Are they the right people to understand how this move, how this hire will reflect on both team employees who were victimized in this decades-long culture, and most of them were forced out of the team, forced out of dream jobs, because they were not in a safe environment. They were not in a safe working environment. Are they the right people to understand how that affects them, like how how this hiring affects those victims who were employed by the team. And are they the right people to understand how this affects every female fan of the Mavericks, every fan of the Mavericks, but especially female fans who their trust in this team, their fandom in this team was betrayed by the choices that the Mavericks made and what they enabled over years. And I don't know if the Mavericks... The people who made the decision to hire Jason Kidd 
I don't know if they're the right people to truly understand what that represents to them in the short amount of time that has transpired since the scandal. I don't know if three years, two and a half years, three years, I think it's about three years. I don't know if three years is a long enough time to prove that your track record is different and better, that these these are things that you truly care about, especially when there's also been continued reporting about Tony Renzoni, and especially when a few weeks after the independent investigation comes out, there is another name reported by the Dallas Morning News, Danny Bollinger, the photographer. I don't know if they've proven that these are questions that, like very serious, complicated questions. I don't know if they've proven that they are the right people to make these assessments. And that's why it's different. That is why it's a different situation than even Chauncey Billups. And it's a different situation because it's the Dallas Mavericks. And it's a different situation than it was 10 years ago when Jason Kidd, the culture was the just the culture of the world was a bit different. But also, Jason Kidd was fully qualified to be a point guard. And there are more questions whether he is fully qualified to be the head coach of this team. And there are more questions within the organization itself whether they can assess the situation and really come to a conclusion and say, we believe that Jason Kidd has changed and you can believe us that we are the right people to make this assessment about him. I think everything that you just said there was extremely fair and accurate. And I, I don't have a problem with any of it. But I think that now we're going to see uh, how the backlash goes for the Mavericks. Because there's there's backlash. <laughs> Plain and simple. And there's going to be and more. there will be further backlash. I, I think that there will be, just because it hasn't been as immediate of a groundswell as like Portland had with well, the Chauncey Billups, and Chauncey Chauncey Billups news kind of, you know, right. took, I mean, you know, to, I anticipate to, and expect and that there will be more backlash, organized backlash to this hiring by Mavericks fans who are disappointed and upset with this hiring. And even if there isn't, that doesn't vindicate the Mavericks or, or not vindicate, but even just, sure. you know, erase the concerns that I just kind of laid out. Yeah. And, and you know, before we we wrap up, I do want to say um, rehabilitation is important for society. Like we need rehabilitation, but the NBA is public facing, and that has different rules. And if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you have to think about that. And I don't know that enough thought was placed into just the the plain optics of it, because the optics are awful. And as you mentioned, every single person is going to have an emotion about this one way or the other. Um, I think it's ultimately a bad move. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how things work out just on the PR side. Um, the basketball side, we'll find out, I guess in the fall. Um, but the, this summer is going to be interesting to watch, especially as closely as we watch the Mavericks, because I think they have a lot of questions to answer to the public. Yeah, I agree with that. I echo what you said about rehabilitation. And I go back to what I said earlier is that I don't know Jason Kidd. And I don't think the focus of this hiring should be... It, it is on him in a lot of ways, of course. But the focus of like, we don't know. We just don't know. We don't know who he is. I don't know. I don't have a relationship like him like like that. And I won't. You know, like him as a head coach and me as a journalist over the coming years will not prove whether, you know, he is a changed person or not. I think, it, you know... It, the one good question to ask of him is like, how do you feel you have grown and evolved as a person over the years? But beyond that, I think more of where I see the focus is on the Mavericks and whether 
the process of hiring him. Maybe it was perfect and maybe they had the exact right people in place to make this decision. I just don't think they've, I, I, they have not proven that given their history as a franchise over the past years. And so I think, I think that's where I fall on it. And, and yeah. Did we talk about Carlisle? I think we might have. Um, I don't remember how much we talked about that statement. Um, yeah, I don't. But it's been reported. It. It's been reported in two places, both by uh, ESPN, Tim, Tim, Tim McMahon from ESPN and Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, two very respected and, and well-sourced people within the NBA, that Carlisle viewed Jamal Mosley and his close relationship with Luka Doncic. He was threatened by it. And that is what, you know, that is why that statement, that wild statement that very clearly had a lot of subtext to it you know that is the explanation for that statement he released he was burning a bridge with jamal mosley and he was doing it very intentionally that's what the reporting has said that's what i've heard as well recently i can't speak to the exact dynamics of jamal mosley he is someone who gets along with all players to be clear you know he has a lot of very close tight relationships with a lot of people in the mavericks front in the mavericks locker room and, you know, any locker room he's ever been a part of, he is a very well-respected and liked coach, assistant coach by his players. I would imagine only he could say whether some level of his relationship with Luca came with the idea that, oh, you know, if I'm also close with Luca and Carlisle does depart, then that makes me a better candidate for the job. I have no clue. I believe that's what Carlisle felt towards him. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to say that. And I do not know, like, I think my interactions with Mosley is that he has been, you know, he does seem like just a genuinely good person who just builds relationships with people because he's a good person and players respect and like him for that reason. But I think that's the, that as, as we've learned, as I've learned was the subtext of the Carlisle uh, statement. And and that's why, you know, Mosley is very, you know, expected and, and very likely not to be with the Mavericks next season. Very possible he just gets a head coaching job and, and you know, that decision isn't even difficult. He's definitely not going to go join Rick Carlisle's staff in Indiana. There is no chance of that happening. Rick's statement was very clear about that because it was very, it, I believe it was very intentional. Rick knew exactly what he was doing. And it was a very intentional statement by him in regards to the, you know, what it said about Mosley you know, in not saying anything, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I know Rick takes the, his relationship with his fellow coaches very seriously. I mean, he's the president of the coaches association. So sure. He didn't say that stuff lightly. Um, I don't have any insight into it. Um, and I know that, you know, people, coaches, people, people in this organization feeling threatened by other people. It's yeah, a, it seems like that a, was kind of systemic. We, and, and we, I mean, we have seen it's, be a, it's a systemic through line. You're absolutely right. So I'm just saying this is this is absolutely right in line with everything the Mavericks have been about. And and I'm not saying I'm not saying that in, in context of of Mosley. I'm saying that in context mm-hmm. context of Carlisle feeling that way. That is right in line with Donnie Nelson. That is right in line with Mark Cuban. That is right in line yeah. with a lot of these people who we've been reporting on and talking about over the past weeks. Ask any Sith Lord. They're all worried <laughs> about. Uh, I mean, listen, um, you know, I, I just think we all have dealt with enough people to know that you never know. And, and maybe that was happening. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Um, but certainly Rick Carlisle feels like something was happening. So, uh Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll get out of here. Um, I think this is actually going to be our last podcast for 
at least a few weeks. For a weeks. while, a little bit. Right. Yeah. But we'll be back. Stay on the feed. We'll uh, definitely have episodes closer to, I mean, I guess not even the draft because they're not really going to be players in that unless something dramatically changes between now and then. Free uh, agency. But free agency for sure, which is going to be the start Unless of the Mavericks can get to the finals. Like if, if the Mavericks make the NBA finals somehow, even though they've <laughs> been eliminated from the playoffs, then we'll be back. I don't know. Weirder things have happened. So don't rule it out. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. It's a wrap.